Blog Talk Radio. It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. Well, hello, 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 and welcome to the Speedway Show. Our topic today is Obamacare in numbers. Much has been made in the media about health care reform. How much do you really know about it? Will it change your life? Is this big, bad government overreaching its authority? Is it forced socialism? Do we really have to have health insurance shoved down our throats? With all the negative press, is there anything good about this reform? Today, we are going to uncover the facts about health care reform, and we're going to do it in numbers. Five big reasons President Obama loves it. Three reasons, with many subparts, that the governor, Mitt Romney, hates it, and 15 ways he would change it. And finally, we're also going to talk about 10 little-known facts. What I want for you in this show today is to get curious about what this health care reform really means for you and what it really means for your family. I want you to stop listening to the rhetoric on TV. I want you to stop listening to the bipartisan the, the booze and the cheers over it, and I want you to really get serious about understanding it just for yourself. Before we begin, I must tell you that there is nothing in this discussion today that will constitute legal advice. The second thing I will tell you is that we really don't have time today to dig into the depths of each of the numbers that we're going to discuss. My hope is that you will have enough points to dig deeper into the areas that are of the most interest to you, and you will go behind the rhetoric you hear from the pundits and the polarized politicians and seek the truth for yourself. I will tell you also that on on Speedway.com or on thespeedwayshow.com, it will lead you to the same place, there are going to be a bunch of resources that you're going to be able to use. You will get a link to President Obama's um, official statements about this uh, Affordable Health Care Act. You will receive a link to Governor Mitt Romney's official website and what he has to say about why he doesn't like it, and what he would do about it. In addition, you will have also a lot of links where you can read about the different things that we're going to talk about today. So this is just to give you an overview of what is available to you. And since I've done a lot of this research, at least certainly all the research that I'm going to talk about on this show, hopefully you will now have a single nonpartisan place to go and look for information and find credible sources of information that you can use. Personally, I have to say, I don't like the term Obamacare. 
It started out as a derogatory term that was coined by opponents of this reform to tie it to the president and make it sound bad. At this point, it has caught on so much that this original intent seems to have been lost, but I'm still going to call these uh, this this uh, act by its uh, by its proper name. Uh, it is the Affordable Health Care Act, or it is Health Care Reform. So that's a little bit of trivia for you. As you probably know, the Affordable Health Care Act has been the subject of vehement opposition, particularly from the Republican Party. And this opposition resulted in a lawsuit that was ultimately heard by the highest court in the land, the United States Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court ruled that the Affordable Health Care Act is legal, paving the way for the implementation of its measures. An interesting point, the Supreme Court also determined that there's a component of the act that constitutes a tax, which, of course, was counted to President Obama's campaign promise that it wouldn't be a tax. And much hay has been made of this fact since then. But nevertheless, the Affordable Health Care Act stands. The first thing I wondered um, to get through all the rhetoric is, what do both presidential candidates say about health care reform? I reviewed both of their official websites, and I picked five things that President Barack Obama cites, uh, which I thought were pretty significant about health care reform. Obviously, he likes it. He thinks it's a phenomenal idea. Here are some of the reasons why he thinks that. Number one, it provides affordable health care to millions more Americans. The underlying and fundamental objective of the Affordable Health Care Act is to make health care affordable to more Americans. Because of this act, 105 million Americans now have access to health care because their lifetime coverage limits have been eliminated. Some eligible patients now have access to free checkups while others receive savings and on prescriptions, and we'll talk about more of that later. Number two, coverage for pre-existing conditions. If you ever applied for a life insurance policy or a health insurance policy, you may remember all of those questions about your past medical history, like, have you ever had a heart attack? Have you ever had a stroke? Have you ever been diagnosed with HIV, AIDS, diabetes, depression, cancer, or any of a litany of conditions? Historically, insurance companies could deny coverage for pre-existing conditions, as in conditions that existed before your coverage with that particular insurance company began. Under the Affordable Health Care Act, they will no longer be able to do that, and you will be able to get insurance even if you have a pre-existing condition. So gone are the days where if you got cancer, you better stay with that employer because nobody else is going to give you coverage. Um, that All of that now changes under the Affordable Health Care Act. Number three, more spent on your care or you get a rebate. The Obama administration points to research that demonstrates that before health care reform, 
Insurance companies routinely spend up to 40% of your premiums on overhead and administrative costs. Under the Affordable Health Care Act, insurance companies are required to spend at least 80% of your premium on your health care. If they fail to do that, you get a rebate. This summer, the President's Office estimated that almost 12.8 million Americans will start receiving an average of $151 per household in rebate checks. The total price tag will be more than $1.1 billion coming from insurance companies. If you're wondering why insurance companies might not be fans of the health care reform, this certainly would be a really big reason why, I would think. Now, I personally thought that this was an interesting change because there are certain times when people care a great deal about how much is spent on administrative costs. But I see these kinds of questions come up most often with respect to political campaigns and the contributions made to them. And in the case of nonprofit corporations, because people want to know how much of the money they donate is actually going to help the people they intend to help with it. But when was the last time you wondered or even got an answer on how much of your money that you pay in premiums is actually going towards your care? Up until now, apparently only 60%. So that is going to change. Number four, health care for young Americans. Before health care reform, a young adult lost coverage on his or her parents' health insurance plan as soon as he or she turned 18. But now, 3.1 million young Americans can now stay on their family's coverage until age 26. What that means for all of those, for all of you who have young ones, like myself, is that when your little ones graduate uh, from high school, you can continue their coverage. When they go to college and even when they graduate from college, as long as they're under 26, and even when they go to grad school um, and they graduate from grad school if they go straight through, then you will be able to keep them on your health insurance coverage. Why do you care? Because if you have to pay their insurance for themselves, it's going to cost more. And if they have to pay it themselves, it's going to cost more. The cheapest way for them to be insured is almost always going to be on mom and dad's health insurance policy because mom and dad are there to offset the risk and hopefully mom and dad are a lower risk and she's got a larger pool. So this leads to presumably greater coverage and less expensive coverage. And in addition, this coverage often includes free preventive care like checkups and flu shots. Number five. The new health care reform addresses the Medicare donut hole. Before the Affordable Health Care Act, millions of seniors fell into what has been often termed the Medicare donut hole every year. It sounds yummy, but it has been a problem for years. The donut hole is a gap in prescription drug coverage where seniors had to pay out of pocket. As you can imagine, this is a huge issue for seniors, particularly if they are on a fixed income and have daily uh, or expensive prescriptions that they have to take for medical conditions. 
The Affordable Health Care Act does not close the donut hole immediately, but it offers big discounts to Medicare recipients who fall into the coverage gap. They will now get 50% off of brand name prescriptions and up to 14% off of generic drugs. Looking to the future, the donut hole will be closed completely by 2020. So these are the five great things about health care reform as described by President Obama. Now let's take a look at the three reasons why Mitt Romney hates it and promises to get rid of it. Now, you might be thinking, well, how come I cited five reasons why President Obama likes it and only three why uh, uh, Governor Mitt Romney doesn't like it? Well, it's because when I took a look at, as I said, this is the information from the president's official website and the governor's official website, and these are the reasons he lists for not liking health care reform and advocating its repeal. And there were three large sort of areas that I could see that he cited for not liking the reform. So this is not me paring it down. This is just what he presents on his website. You can visit his website and check it out, www.mittromney.com. You can also, for a comprehensive list of that and a whole bunch of other sites, just go to speedway.com and you'll see that his website and all the other ones that I'll be talking about to you about today. Uh, So Mitt Romney's thing number one, it's really complicated. Mitt Romney takes the position that this bill is really complicated. It's more than 2,400 pages long. It requires the drafting of tens of thousands of pages of new regulations, which are now currently being drafted. It creates 159 new bureaucracies and programs. It relies on a dense web of regulations, fees, subsidies, excise taxes, exchanges, and rule-setting boards. This is one heavy-duty complicated piece of law. That's thing number one that he does not like about it. Thing number two that Mitt Romney does not like about it, it creates bigger federal government. At the end of the day, it gives the federal government extraordinary control over every corner of the health care system. One of the fundamental benefits of or fundamental beliefs of the Republican Party is that smaller government is a good thing. So to the extent that this bill appears to increase the government's span of control, that is, of course, a bad thing. Mitt Romney asks this question, and I quote it from his website, when was the last time a massive government program lowered cost, improved efficiency, or raised the consistency of service? Thing number three that Mitt Romney does not like about it. It's really expensive. Mitt Romney says the Affordable Health Care Act added a trillion dollars in new health care spending. To pay for it, taxes will have to be increased by $500 billion. And everyone from middle-class families to innovative medical device makers is going to have to foot the bill. In addition, the program slashes $500 billion from Medicare. Now, at this point, I have to confess 
that it's not clear to me exactly how these numbers were calculated. And that level of detail is beyond the scope of our show today. But my goal is to arm you with some high-level points that you can research in greater detail to the extent that those aspects of this debate are of interest to you. So those are the three objections that Mitt Romney has to the Affordable Health Care Act. Um, and what I'm going to talk to you about today next is the solutions that Mitt Romney suggests um, would be suitable in order to address the health care issues that we face in this country. Personally, I much prefer a person who brings solutions to the to the table instead of just throwing rocks. So I was quite pleased to see that the governor seems to spend a more succinct time talking about solutions. He has more than five of those, but we're going to cover the big ones. Number one, restore state leadership and flexibility. Governor Mitt Romney believes, and you know, I don't know him personally, so I'm saying this based on what he says on his website. Governor Romney believes the states, not the federal government, should regulate local insurance markets. So one big thing he would do is eliminate the federal government's involvement in the task and give the states this task to craft their own approaches. Associated with that, he lists five other activities, which are A, block grant medical, uh, block grant Medicaid and other payments to states, B, limit federal standards and requirements on both private insurance and Medicaid coverage, C, ensure flexibility to help the uninsured, including public-private partnerships, exchanges, and subsidies. D, ensure flexibility to help the chronically ill, including high-risk pools, reinsurance, and risk adjustment. E, offer innovation grants to explore non-litigation alternatives to dispute resolution. Now, on his website, he doesn't elaborate on any of these five things. So if you want to know more about them, then you're going to have to do some additional digging and some additional research. Number two, this is Governor Romney's second major solution to addressing the health care ills that we face in this country. This solution would be to promote free markets and fair competition with the idea that a free market society drives improvements in efficiency and effectiveness, offering consumers higher quality goods and services at lower cost. He would apply this concept to healthcare by doing the following four things. A, a cap on non-economic damages in medical malpractice lawsuits. I have to confess, I was a bit surprised to see this one, since there has long been a movement to cap medical malpractice damages in different and you know different states have already adopted limits on how much a plaintiff can collect from doctors and hospitals so you know as i put my lawyer hat on and and look at this one i'm thinking why well, you know i don't think this is actually new so this is a continuation perhaps of the movement that is already afoot b Empower individuals and small businesses to form purchasing pools. C. Prevent discrimination against individuals with pre-existing conditions who maintain continuous coverage. Now, I'm not 
sure if this is new, since right now, as long as you maintain the coverage you had when your uninsurable condition arose, you can still maintain your insurance, unless, of course, your insurance company drops you. There are situations where your insurance company can drop you, but the big issue that the Health Care Reform Act addresses is that right now, if you have a pre-existing condition, you cannot switch insurance companies because you can't get new insurance. D, facilitate IT interoperability. Now, I honestly am not sure what this addresses. There is the High Tech Act, and there have been uh, requirements already under the current administration to um, increase IT interoperability and the electronic maintenance of health records and um, in order to, you know, improve the healthcare delivery to consumers, as well as to increase the security around the privacy of medical information. So when I see facilitate IT interoperability as one of the governor's um, uh, things that he would do, my guess is it's probably something along similar lines, and maybe he's got some different ideas about how he would implement those kinds of um, um, ideas that he has, but uh, it certainly would be an interesting thing to find out more about what that would look like. Again, these four items are not explained, and I have to confess that none of them terribly, as you may be able to tell, impressed me as being innovative or as making a real difference to the millions of people who didn't have coverage before the reform. So I pass these along as... Um, uh, Governor Romney's ideas about health care reform, um, and in fairness, you know, because there isn't a lot of elaboration, some of these might be, you know, fantastic, phenomenal, and he might have a new spin on them. I just haven't had the time, and, and we don't have the time on the show to go into all of them. Number three, Governor Romney would empower consumer choice. Mr. Romney believes that for markets to work, Consumers must have the information and the power to make decisions about their own care. Um, I certainly agree with that. Placing the patient at the center of the process will drive quality up and cost down while ensuring that services are designed to provide what Americans actually want. To this end, he would employ the following six measures. A, end tax discrimination against the individual purchase of insurance. B, allow consumers to purchase insurance across state lines. C, unshackle health savings accounts by allowing funds to be used for insurance premiums. D, promote co-insurance products. E, promote alternatives to fee-for-service. And F, Encourage consumer reports type ratings of alternative insurance plans. Now, this actually sounds like a pretty interesting idea because what that would allow you to do is um, take a look at some presumably objective body that rates insurance plans and their features so that you can make more informed decisions about what insurance plan to pick. There are rating services on the market for certain things. I know there used to be 
uh, a rating and comparison service for the features of, say, 529 plans. And there are companies like eSurance that will rate themselves or progressive insurance that will rate themselves against their competitors so that you can make informed decisions. But I am guessing that there probably isn't, at least I'm not aware of a consumer report type, a single independent body that actually rates all different kinds of insurance plans. So that would certainly be a good thing to implement if it became available. So now that we've covered the big things that the president and the governor like and don't like, let's talk about the 10 other little-known facts about the health care reform bill that you may not have known. I was fascinated when I found this piece of research, and I thought, why isn't this interesting? This is something that we should all know, because in one way or the other, you're going to find that there is at least one of these things that would impact you for the better, or not for the better, and I'm going to bet that there will be things in here that I'm going to share with you that you did not know. So let's get into our 10. Number one, transparency in healthcare reporting. Did you know that sometimes doctors prescribe certain drugs because they receive incentives from pharmaceutical companies Examples include meals, consulting fees, and travel. Under the Health Care Reform Act, the Physician Payment Sunshine Act requires drug device and medical supply companies to report annually the incentives they give physicians and teaching hospitals. The final rule for the Sunshine Act is expected December 2014. Number two, breaks, not bathrooms, for breast. Feeding. This rule went into effect in March 2010 when the new health care bill was signed into law. Employers must provide a place other than a bathroom that is shielded from view and free from intrusion from coworkers and the public, this is a quote, which may be used by an employee to express breast milk. Not only that, but nursing moms are also allowed to take reasonable breaks as frequently as necessary to express breast milk. These requirements apply to companies with more than 50 employees. Why? Because companies with fewer than 50 employees would find it unduly burdensome. That's why. Number three, compliance with counting calories. Restaurants with 20 or more locations must list calorie content information for standard menu items on menus and dry and, and drive-through menus. Vending machine operators with 20 or more vending machines must list calorie content information for standard items sold. Movie theaters escaped this requirement, so when this requirement is implemented, you will know how many calories your fast food burger has, but not those huge buckets of popcorn often soaked in butter. Number four, abstinence-only education. The Department of Health and Human Services says programs that teach abstinence-only education will be eligible to receive $50 million a year for five years. A state must match $3 for every $4 received in federal funding. These programs must teach that abstinence from sexual activity is the only certain way, and I'm quoting, 
um, to avoid out-of-wedlock pregnancy, sexually transmitted diseases, and other associated health problems. And they also have to teach that sex before marriage is, I'm quoting, likely to have harmful psychological and physical effects. If this sounds strange to you, Take a listen to the episode that I did previously on the Speedway Show with Sheila Ford entitled, Why Wait for Sex? There's also a version of this show for teens as well. Number five, flex accounts less flexible. Before the law, if you had a flexible spending account, you could buy over-the-counter drugs and vitamins. Beginning on January 2011, you could only buy prescription drugs although in some cases it counts if your doctor prescribes over-the-counter medicines. You can still use your Flex account to buy condoms, contact lens solution, home diagnostic tests, and bandages. As of 2013, there will be a $2,500 contribution limit on these accounts where there actually wasn't a limit before. Number six, traps of tanning. I bet you did not know that the International Agency for Research on Cancer, which is part of the World Health Organization, has classified tanning devices that emit UV rays as human carcinogens. California has banned indoor tanning for minors because of the potential risk for skin cancer. As of July 1, 2010, If you frequented one of these tanning booths, you paid a 10% tax with every visit. I guess they figure if you're going to give yourself the risk for cancer, then you should get it for free under the sun, perhaps. Number seven, winning in wellness. Companies, uh, Companies are now incented to develop wellness initiatives to prove, to improve the health of their workforce. Beginning in 2014, Employees that participate in wellness programs can get up to 30% discounts on health insurance premiums. This may go up as high as 50% in the future. Number eight, free preventive care. This is a big one. Affordable health care. The Affordable Health Care Act provides a lot of free preventive care. 16 different types for adults. 22 different types for women and 27 for children. Visit Speedway.com for a link to the listing and see what you will be able to get as of 2018 when all health insurance plans must comply. Number nine, home visits to expecting families. In order to reduce child abuse, neglect, and promote the better health of moms and their kids, particularly in high-risk populations, The law funds early childhood home visits for expecting families by certain professionals. Number 10, legible health insurance plans. Have you ever tried to read and understand your health insurance plan? Did you even dare to try? If you were confused, you'll be happy to know that the health care reform law requires health insurers to simplify the language so that you and I can understand the benefits our plans provide. At the end of this discussion, you might be wondering what my personal opinion is, and I do have one, as you might be able to tell. I am neither a Republican or Democrat. 
In past elections, I have voted for presidents from both parties, not in the same election, of course, because in each case I thought that the president was the best. That particular candidate was the best candidate for the presidency. There are aspects of the philosophies of both parties that I personally like. I like the Republican notion of smaller government and lower taxes. I also believe, though, that as a society we should be kind to those of our members that are less fortunate, and I guess my belief about how kind we ought to be is a little more generous than the Republican Party normally would subscribe to. I fundamentally believe that increasing access to health care for millions of Americans who otherwise would not have it is a very good thing. The United States, I have heard, is a lagger when it comes to providing affordable health care to the vast majority of its citizens, whereas other countries like Canada, for example, seem to do, and, and countries in Europe, seem to do a much better job of blanketing their total, or at least more of their total population with affordable or free health care. So I think this is a good thing, and I think it takes us certainly a step in the right direction. In this particular case, while Mitt Romney's plan may incrementally improve the health care system, I haven't seen anything in his proposal that makes the sweeping changes to access that the current reform provides. I can understand why health insurance companies, restaurants, and other companies that have new regulations to comply with don't like it. But what I don't really get is why some of us, as ordinary Americans who are the primary and significant beneficiaries of these new advantages, are shouting so loudly to get rid of it. The only thing I can think of is that some of us are buying into partisan rhetoric that I suspect is fueled by those who would like to take credit for the reforms themselves in future years uh, and by those who are being funded, supported, and pushed by the companies that have the most to gain by keeping the status quo. So as a consumer, you now know what I know. To be sure, there are many other reasons that people on both sides of this issue will give you for why you should love it or why you should hate it. Some of them make a lot of sense, but many of them just make a lot of noise. My primary encouragement to you is don't be satisfied to just swallow the sound bites you hear on television and regurgitate them to your friends as if they are facts. No matter what you think of the health care reform, ask your own questions and make your own decision about what is best for you and your family. So until next week, this is Speedway saying, go in peace and educate yourself on the issue. Thank you for joining us on The Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle The Speedway Show. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply.